You are listening to the David Raffin Podcast, a presentation of davidraffin.com. This is podcast number four. This episode is brought to you by bananas, a staple of human diet, bananas, more important in some cultures than others, ranging in use from a starch to a dessert. What then is the banana, this magical fruit? The banana is a berry. It is mildly, mildly radioactive. It is often the subject of lowbrow humor. Consuming banana may alter human dopamine levels. The banana is human-dependent, and its existence is threatened by lack of genetic diversity and resulting susceptibility to blights. In Thailand, the banana is said to be haunted, but there are precautions that can be enacted to keep you safe when in Thailand from bananas. Bananas, mangoes, and cashews are all bat-pollinated. Enjoy your bat foods, as I do. I do not just eat the banana, I consume the banana's soul with all the perils and benefits inherent in this brutish organic transaction. When I am confronted on the street and called a banana-eating bastard, I know I have been confronted by a banana lover. Artificial banana flavoring does not taste like banana. In 1,000 years, people will never know this. But we do, you and I, and it is our shared burden. One time someone asked me, Are you always such a jerk? And I immediately replied, Yes because agreement is the first rule in theater, even though the answer was no. Saddle up. I'm going to get right back on that merry-go-round. Yes, even the tragic merry-go-round accident will not thwart me. I am reckless. I rode the merry-go-round again. I did buy a ticket. I am not a scofflaw, though the economics of the ride... Distance traveled divided by price are well known to be poor. I did not build the track or the mechanism. I live in the world as it is, and I make the best of it, as must we all. Critics of the merry-go-round decry the repetitious nature of the ride, travel being in the most roundabout way, the sights redundant. I find this familiarity comforting. I do, however, admit to being disturbed on some level about the onlookers. Why do they stare? Why do they stand in place? Why are they resistant to ride themselves? Why do they point and wave? Do they not know I shall return? Today, I brought my own saddle. The attendants do not like this. Still, the customer is always right. I simply find the provided seating inadequate. I also brought a book. I have learned from hard experience. I do not like the music at the merry-go-round. I have never been in sync with the popular taste. If I hear that song one more time, I shall not be held accountable. Often I take photos of my travels. When I leave my camera at home, invariably I see something good and kick myself. Once I asked a fellow traveler to stamp my photo with my favorite horse, and I was asked to leave. The scarcity of good depot stations on the merry-go-round is troublesome. The attendant will not help you with your baggage. 
Generally, there is one central station a passenger must enter and exit by. The route is thereafter fenced. If I wish to travel from point A to B, I am forced to travel from point A to point A and then walk halfway around. This is extremely inefficient. I have complained that this problem creates a resistance to the wide adoption of the go-round as a means of popular mass transit. Occasionally I exit as I please, jumping the barrier, though this is strictly against the rules. That piece, Saddle Up, was from my book Tragic Stories Disguised as Jokes, available from davidraffin.com, along with free downloads, a weblog, this podcast, booking info, and a surprising lack of cat photos. R.D. Lang was a psychiatrist born in Glasgow, Scotland. He is associated as a forerunner to the anti-psychiatry movement, but that was a label he rejected. He was influenced by existentialist philosophy. He began his medical career in the British Army and later founded a treatment center for those with mental illness, where they were allowed to recover without chemical intervention. Many accused Lang himself of being psychotic. There is a story of him visiting a hospital and being told of a difficult case. A patient unresponsive to treatment, who sat in a padded room, naked, communicating with no one, and rocking back and forth. The doctors told Lang that they had tried everything. Lang went into the padded room, took off his clothes, sat on the floor facing the patient, and rocked in time. Within half an hour, they had begun talking. When Lang left the room, he asked the other doctors, Why didn't you try that? Lang considered mental illness a transformative episode. In his book, The Politics of Experience, Lang wrote, The condition of alienation, of being asleep, of being unconscious, of being out of one's mind, is the condition of the normal man. Society values its normal man. It educates children to lose themselves and become absurd, and thus to be normal. Our behavior is a function of our experience. We act according to the way we see things. If our experience is destructive, our behavior will be destructive. If our experience is destroyed, we will have lost our own selves. The book Politics of Experience ends with a separate short chapter called The Bird of Paradise. The Bird of Paradise is more akin to a postmodernist poem. In it, he tells the story of Jimmy McKenzie. Jimmy McKenzie was a bloody pest at the mental hospital because he went around shouting back at his voices. We could only hear one end of the conversation, of course, but the other end could be inferred in general terms, at least, from Away, you fuck, you filthy-minded bastards! It was decided at once and the same time to alleviate his distress and ours by giving him the benefit of a lobotomy. An improvement in his condition was noted. After the operation, he went around no longer shouting abuses at his voices, but, what's that? Say that again. Speak up, ya buggers. I can hardly hear ye. In the politics of experience, Lang says, Our first way of experiencing the world is largely what psychoanalysts call fantasy. 
Fantasy, in short, as I am using the term, is always experiential and meaningful, and, if the person is not disassociated from it, relational in a valid way. Which leads to an introduction here of his psychoanalytical book of poetry, a slim book called Knots. Knots opens with, They are playing a game. They are playing at not playing a game. If I show them I see they are, I shall break the rules, and they will punish me. I must play their game, of not seeing I see the game. They are not having fun. I can't have fun if they don't. If I get them to have fun, then I can have fun with them. Getting them to have fun is not fun. It is hard work. I might get fun out of finding out why they're not. I'm not supposed to get fun out of wondering why they're not. But there is even some fun in pretending to them I'm not having fun finding out why they're not. A little girl comes along and says, Let's have fun. But having fun is a waste of time, because it doesn't help to figure out why they're not having fun. How dare you have fun when Christ died on the cross for you? Was he having fun? To close this episode of the podcast, I want to tell you that I went to a restaurant while I was traveling last week, and that restaurant made an issue of the fact in the menu that they didn't serve garlic, onions, or leeks because, quote, these hot spices, when eaten raw, generate anger. When cooked, they overstimulate the libido, unquote. This Chinese menu was akin to reefer madness for bulbs. I mean, the food was fine, but the lack of garlic and onion made me angry, and afterwards I felt overcome by prurient thoughts. Which is to say it was a typical Wednesday. The proceeding was a presentation of davidraffin.com. Thank you.